As I've said a million times, I'm not always making decisions. It looks like I am. What I'm doing is I'm listening to all the smartest people and all the disciplines, and I'm coalescing the information they're giving me and spitting it back out because they're having a hard time seeing the forest through the trees. That was Chelsea Blasco, the co-CEO of Iron Galaxy, uh, talking about her leadership style. I really loved that conversation. It was great to have Chelsea on the show. It was great. Can can I say something about this line that you picked? So nobody knows this, but Alex and Doug pick a lot of one-liners from the from the episode, and then we discuss which one we want to start the show with. Uh, We agreed that this line is the best one for the show, but I really like the first one. That well, they don't know. (laughs) There's another one. There's another one that I think is. What was the other one? It's the one about the. the, um, Yeah, what is it? Tell tell everybody. Uh, Well, Chelsea was. I mean, you'll hear it in a minute, but she was talking about the value of having people come into the office, even though they have a hybrid, uh, you know, they support a hybrid work environment, you know, getting a chance to build trust with each other and have fun together in person, super valuable. Yeah. And like what what's really interesting is it's a really important topic that just kind of started. It started towards the la- in the last year we were with EA. It kind of came up again when it was like, oh, okay, the pandemic's over. Yeah, maybe we should all go back to the studio, you know, and... No one wanted to and things like this, you know, because like working from home became really cool. And like, and I felt that way, too. You remember, I always would say, I'm never going back to a studio again. Like, I think you've heard me say that a million times. And then in the interview, which you're about to hear, so a little like you'll you'll when you hear it, you'll know because I just told you. But in the interview, <laughs> I, I was talking to her. And I asked her a question. Uh, something came up where it was like, I, I remember like, oh, I should probably like look into what she's doing and stuff and what Iron Galaxy is doing. So I went to their website. The first picture I saw when I got to their website, I can't know if it's on their homepage or what the link I clicked on or whatever, but it takes you to a picture of their offices and like people like sitting around talking and like meeting rooms mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and I instantly wanted to go back to the studio. You missed, you like, missed the vibe. Miss you it. missed the studio vibe. Yeah. I miss the meetings, like, yeah. oh, so much. I've, I've been in their office. I don't think I've been in their current office. And uh, our heard, buddy... Yeah, the, yeah, there's a new one. Yeah, our buddy Tim and Kyle, they were squatting in their old office in Chicago for for a year or so when they were doing Gunslinger. Yeah, so I miss it now. <laughs> which, <laughs> which we're going to do. We're going to do an we're gonna get We're going to get together in, uh, in, in August. Are we allowed to talk about what we're... Our day job? Because yeah. we just know, announced a thing. Yeah. yeah, we made a game, Outlaw Corral for Fortnite. Look north. Yeah, world. it's I'll that's a little. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not about this show's not about us. But uh, you know, if you want, <laughs> you want to go check out what we're doing, is you'll find it on our LinkedIn. This episode's Twitter. about Chelsea. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely about Chelsea, who uh, I've known I've known of for a while and hadn't gotten a chance to meet until a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She's super cool. Love her story, and you can tell she's she's got the Chicago accent. Oh, wait, let's save that for the post. What? The Chicago accent? Well, let's just say, <laughs> my wife's like, from Chicago, and there's, we're all from there's, Chicago. Three, there's three words in, in, uh, in the Chicago language that are indistinguishable from each other, which is bear, which is the animal that you do not want to get into a conflict with in, in, in the okay. woods. A bear, which is uh, not wearing any clothes. And beer, which is a lovely libation you might drink at a, a at a barbecue, but in the Chicago dialect, those three they words are, are they're pronounced exactly the same. I'll have a bear. 
the bear bear drank the bear you know so <laughs> and my bear hands know, a couple two tree bears. My bear hands. Yeah. <laughs> all right uh yeah you know we talk about we talk about chicago too much i think but um you know what i discovered recently a couple years ago because we don't ago live there is, yeah you can you can now um you can now rent a boat to drive around up and down the Chicago River. I don't know if you know Dude, about this. Dude, you could do that in London too. I just downloaded Uber and that's the first thing that comes up. It's like rent a boat. And I was like, "What?" With Uber. But is this that what is the say? coolest. This is the cool well, I mean, this in Chicago's not Uber, but this is the coolest thing to do in Chicago, I think. Absolutely. Oh, you drive it yourself. Yes, you you get a boat, oh. if, you know, you get yeah, six or seven folks together, you can bring Drinks, you bring food. You don't say drinks, you say libations. Yeah, whatever. Bring your booze, <laughs> and you can cruise up and down the Chicago River where there's fantastic architecture, and it's just such a cool vibe, and you're just kind of chilling out on the water. If you go at sunset, it's even better because the lights come on, and they've really done a lot of work on the riverfront there. Really? It looks fantastic. And now, we're a fucking travel show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we always talk that, about that city because we have a lot of people from chicago a lot of developers there yes and you know a lot of diaspora too there are a lot of folks from chicago who have gone on to work at various developers across the industry what a great town yeah uh all right let's uh let's roll our conversation with chelsea blasco i hope you enjoy it yeah we certainly did it's a great one All right. Well, let's talk about keyboards. You know, I love a good mechanical keyboard. I got a chance to uh, go. Well, hold on. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. You were going to send me what? one. What? You were going to send me. <laughs> That's how the conversation started. You thought Listen, was- if you want to get yourself a keyboard, you could win one, right? Yeah. You should be following the fourth curtain. You should be on our Discord because we're giving away a high ground, high performance keyboard. These things are fantastic. Go visit highground.co. Check out what they've got going on over there. In fact, and they sell out. Discount code for you. They do. They do these drops. They sell out. They do have a section on their site for always available, and those are super cool too. Fourth curtain ten. That's the code. Get you ten percent off over at High Ground. They 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 handed it to me this keyboard, and I almost dropped it because it's so solid. It's so heavy. (laughs) Yeah, they're a great partner. Go head over to their website, use the discount code to get a ten percent off, and we're giving one away too. So follow our Twitter at Fourth Curtain for details on how to win yourself a High Ground keyboard. All right, thank you for being with us today, everyone. We are quite lucky to have an amazing guest with us today. Chelsea Blasco has been in games for almost 20 years. Did I get that right? It's like it's 20 years, yeah, right? Almost. About 18, 18 years, yeah. so that's pretty close to 20 18 if my years. math rounding still serves yeah. me. I was a math major, so I think that's acceptable arithmetic. Got her start at Electronic Arts. I don't know, it must be a small company. It sounds familiar. I, just, I can't quite place it, but then... Worked with good friend of the show, Josh Sway at Robomoto in Chicago. Chelsea's a champion of independent development, a champion of Chicago, currently co-CEO of Iron Galaxy. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Great, So great to see you. How are welcome, you? Chelsea. Thank you. I'm doing okay. It's, we've got a rainy day here in Chicago, but it's not bringing me down. I'm excited. <laughs> so I was chatting with our community manager, Doug, yesterday, and he's like, hold on a second. I'm in the basement because tornadoes are going by. Yes. You guys all okay? Yeah. We, There's tornadoes in Chicago? We had tornado warnings, two different alarms yesterday evening. Yeah. In Chicago? In the basement, actually. Too. Yeah. Generally, a tornado doesn't make it into the city proper. The buildings and the water 
serve to slow yeah. that type of thing down. But it took me back to kind of my childhood, and they'd just have us line up in the hallway at school in kind of the brace position. Like, we would just somehow survive the building ripping apart all around us. <laughs> I didn't know Chicago had tornadoes. That's crazy. I thought that was more cancer. Did you never get the tornado warnings when you were in Chicago, Aaron? Maybe. I, the furthest out, I was in Carroll Stream. Oh, yeah. Carroll Stream, you would get tornado yeah. warnings remember, out there. I remember sure. it being very cold and then very hot. <laughs> and it was like, what? Yes. You get very cold and very hot. I, re- I remember. And then if it's very flat, then... Here yeah. comes a tornado. <laughs> All right. Well, I would love to hear a little bit about, I know you've told the story of your history and how you've gotten into games many times, but I would love to hear that for a little bit of context. I, I, I was thinking, you know, we I think we know a lot of people in common just in and around Chicago and Chicago is a pretty tight dev scene. Looking at your your LinkedIn because I'm an extensive researcher. I prepare. He actually is. At your LinkedIn, no, I mean this is the impression I get from seeing what you said before and looking through your history and everything that you have your shit together. Which I hope you take that as a compliment. Like, yeah, I do. Central operator. It's been though, honestly, a little bit of a burden in my life. When you have your shit together, other people let their shit fly all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. But, I, you know, I I think that, you know, in our industry, which has been a continually maturing industry while it's continually growing and exploding, like the that skill set of like knowing how to organize, knowing how to get a, a, a clear, concise view as to like what's happening and being able to, to plan for success. And especially doing that in what I would say is the highest level like you know how like in the olympics when you when there's a gymnastics routine they there's like a difficulty degree associated with it and the judges like they they meter the scores like oh this is a seven degree difficulty this is insane like independent developer in the midwest three locations probably working remotely all of those things um just crazy insane so sorry that was just i I, mostly a very long-winded set of compliments that it's like, this well, is what I, I would love to hear about, but maybe we could start with how you kind of got tricked into joining got, I, uh, the I game industry. I did get tricked into doing games a little bit, because uh, prior to games, coming straight out of college, I finished college a semester early. I started teaching high school German and girls PE, because hey. the PE teacher got in an accident. Yeah. He gets, mein Digger. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. My wife's German. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I really had no idea people were making games in Chicago. That was just something that never even crossed my mind. And actually, a woman I'd worked with at H&M said, hey, this place called EA is hiring. They're looking. And this was kind of funny. They're looking mostly for women producers. They really want women to come be the producers. So I think what they were kind of looking for, honestly, were moms at that point. Oh, wow. We were we were a little bit den mothers as well as producers, I think, in the at the EA Chicago. Um, and I thought, oh wow, games. I love creativity. I like playing games. I love telling stories and bringing joy to other people, giving people this escape, giving people, you know some kind of diversion away from whatever crappy stuff is going on in whoever's yeah, life, yeah. right? And I know that games were some of that for me. Did you did you grow up playing games? I did a bit. So we didn't have much money growing up. So we were always a couple systems behind. So everybody else was, 
you know, cruising through the Nintendos, we finally got an Atari. And I think there's a genetic (laughs) thing in my family, actually, because even back with Atari, that was just a joystick and a button. Like, my mom would play games and just, she's moving all around and screaming (laughs) the entire time. I tend to do that. And then my kid, my kid who is, like, a very competent gamer, he speedruns, you know, Cuphead, he's played a lot of different games, he still is jumping all around. It's not like he's just couch (laughs) potatoing. He is jumping all over when he plays games. But, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I played a lot of Oregon Trail. I was always angry. You couldn't carry more. Go back for more bear meat. Why can't I make the decision to just go back and get more bear meat, bring it back? There are people in my party. They could be guarding it. I don't understand. I also really love Defender. That was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Have you met met Eugene? Yeah, I have. I got to meet Eugene. What a a trip. You know, with the guys from Housemark when they were working with him. That's when I met Eugene. What year was this, by the way? At EA, it was, what, 2006, I think, is when I started. It is. I can I can confirm that. It was 2006. Yes, your LinkedIn up. Not that I'm stalking you on LinkedIn. I have a question for you with that. So yeah. you started 206. How long were you there for? I was only there for less than two years, unfortunately. I got tricked into thinking that it was going to be like this nine to five kind of office job too, which was one hundred, <laughs> two hundred hours a week. Yeah, it was. It was like HR would come by at eleven p.m. And be like, "What are you still? What are you doing?" It's like, yeah. well, there's still all this stuff. I pretty much worked like eight a.m. to midnight most yeah. of it. That's and, right before wow. the spouse yeah. letter. There, do you, you were there just before, right yes. before that, right? Yes, it all it was changed right after in that, that period. Yeah. You know, I was young. I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I was excited for what I was doing. I was doing such a wide variety of things that it didn't really feel that crazy at the time. You know, I, I wanted to be there for my team. I was learning so many things. And I started out, I mean, going back to shit... Uh, when I interviewed at EA Chicago, I remember coming in trying to be, you know, kind of professional. And the first thing I was told was, what are you wearing? Don't you know everyone around here is a slob? Like, <laughs> what's your problem oh, no. for trying to look like a somewhat put together human being? Um, and then when I was asking, you know, what will the job entail? What would I be doing? I just got kudo. Kudo Sonoda was my first boss in games. And he just leaned over his desk and basically right in my face said, you'll be doing some shit. That sounds like Kudo. That sounds like something Kudo would say. I don't, I didn't really know what to make of that, but it was probably the most accurate description of my career that anyone could have given me. So you you were doing everything and anything in that studio. I was doing everything and anything. I mean, back then it was running to the mastering lab. Um, You had to have at least three copies because, you know, at least one of them wasn't going to work. I was going out to get ice cream. I was entertaining some of the talent because we were working on Def Jam was the first kind of full cycle development that I did. So I did a lot of the dinners or the entertaining our our uh, producers from Def Jam, one of whom's gone on to be a reality TV star. 
Good for you, Adair. Huh. What a game to start on, too. That's yeah, crazy. it was Girls of MySpace. I was, like, photographing uh, lingerie and T-shirts and all of the clothing that was going to be in the title. Um, I was also getting Kudo's car out of Impound because it was an Impound <laughs> or picking onions out of a salad because the art director uh, didn't like onions in his salad or... It was just almost anything, looking through contracts, whatever, whatever, I was basically doing it. It was very Mr. Miyagi style introduction. (laughs) I got to imagine as a kind of like a first impression of of the game industry and a first experience in in that kind of chaotic atmosphere that, that must have had a pretty formative impression on how you approach managing a a studio today. I got to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things, though, is just building relationships and being in the trenches with the team. We all felt like we were in it together at EA, and that felt great. We all felt like a team. Uh, We were all had one goal. We were all working really hard. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect. I worked with another producer, Liz Bruce, and I I've definitely been more of kind of the the people, the facilitator type producer. And she was really the nuts and bolts, loves the spreadsheets. So we just really balanced each other really well with that too. She loved checklists. And I was the person walking around having to tell someone why they shouldn't have spent time modeling genitalia on one of the characters. (laughs) So that's the kind of thing I would get sent in for. (laughs) You're wasting polys. <laughs> yeah. You're wasting yeah, polys. Bones, yeah. <laughs> we don't need yeah. secondary there. Okay. <laughs> All right. It was, it was definitely a different time uh, yeah. back then yeah. in games. Things have definitely evolved, but it, it did feel like a real adventure. And I think one of the things I really learned and just honed was thinking on my feet being able to just take in a lot of different information, um, have to solve a lot of different problems quickly, be really creative, learn how to interact with a ton of different people with different types of personalities. When you do that when you teach high school, you do that when you work in retail or in a service job too. This was, I think, even more of that and making sure to bring these people together towards a common goal. So... Yeah. I have fond memories for all the weird things that happen. I definitely have fond memories of EA. <laughs> yeah. The, I think we, we call those the soft skills, which I'm going to make a pin because we, we t- I totally want to hear more about, about that. But with your next step in your journey was Robomoto. Is that right? Yeah. At EA Chicago, I worked with Josh Sway and David Mikicic. Yeah, I was pretty close with, with David back then. We spent a lot of time working together. That's for sure. And so when they started Robomoto, I was one of the first 23 people uh, to start out over there working on Tony Hawk games. And the coolest thing I felt about that experience was I got to work on not just software, but hardware, which was different for me. And for a while, I was the sole producer. So I was overseeing everything. Where before at EA... I had been, well, kind of running around doing a little bit of everything, then mostly focused on the art side of things 
and the training videos. But now this was the first time I was in charge of the whole show for for a few months at least before we hired any other producers. Did you guys ship on time? I know that's a weird question, but... (laughs) Did we ship on time for Tony Hawk? I believe we did. I mean, it was a pretty... No extensions? Truncated dev cycle. Um, And we were were a bit ambitious because we had taken... You know, we'd taken over the title from Neversoft. We were trying to do something with a peripheral. The team decided to create an engine from scratch. We had eight months. We had branded, you know, marketing concerns. We had branded items that we had to get in. We had talent approvals we needed to achieve. You know, Rock Band was blowing up, so... Harmonix was supposed to work on the hardware, but they were backed up. So we started doing it ourselves. It sounds insane. Yeah. Is this the skateboard, the peripheral? This yeah, is yeah, the yeah. skateboard, yeah. Yeah, Josh mentioned that. Yeah. It sounds insane. It sounds it insane. It was Own really engine, insane. Eight months. It was insane. Licensed hardware. So my question, I think, isn't a weird question. That studio was new, and you were running production, and then you started scaling. I'm kind of curious, just because like the way you're t- you told the, your experience at EA, it sounds like, and even like you were talking about the other producer who's spreadsheet oriented, and you, and you are relationship oriented. I'm just kind of curious how you approach finishing things. I, you know, for folks who maybe haven't worked on games in our audience. I often talk about the last 10% being 90% of the effort. You know, finishing is just so hard. Yes. And I'm just kind of curious, like, what your approach has been to, like, is it like, hey, it, what matters is it's got to get to this certain level of quality? Or, hey, we, we have to get to our dates so then we have time to polish? Or if you have a philosophy? I don't, I don't know that I have a philosophy. I think different products call for different solutions. And sometimes, or often, a lot of that is out of your control, depending on what the publisher wants. Um, In our case at Robo, it was really Activision who was calling the shots on, is it finished enough? Is it going to go out? I found in my career, there are definitely people who are better at starting things and better at finishing things. So if you can identify those people and kind of get their superpowers uh, going, that's always really helpful. But to me, it's always really a balance of trying to get the best product out there you can, trying to hit whatever target date, trying not to kill everyone, which luckily, you know, is getting less common. But still back at (laughs) Robo, I mean, it was... It was intense hours for sure. There was a lot of crunch still at that time, just trying to keep the encouragement up too so that people know that their work is worthwhile and advocating for the things that are important. I remember at Robo, at one point, it was already, I think, past alpha and suddenly suddenly the producer at Activision, who I worked very closely with, had an idea that we should have different size boards. Well, the way that our whole animation set worked, we couldn't just snap it for different size boards. We were going to have to redo everything. And so there was a lot of, at that time, uh, heated conversations (laughs) too about, you know, you're asking me at this point, I can do this, but then the content is going to be mediocre. We cannot get it done too 
a, a level I will be proud of if we change all of this at this point. So trying to explain what compromises are being made, what are the trade-offs to the people who ultimately do make the decisions. And, you know, sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. Ultimately, we didn't end up changing the board sizes, but I mean, that was unfortunately kind of a drag out fight. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For me, I'm always interested in my team health too. From the very beginning, I care about how is my team doing? And I knew we were already asking so much of the team to ask even more was just so unfair. I was going to do everything I could to mitigate that for them. That's such a hard conversation to have with like a publisher because often the publisher, they're controlling the budget, they're controlling the release of funds, which sort of the lifeblood of the studio. And it's a lot of leverage and a conversation about something some producer on the publisher side thinks is important, but the the real cost, not the dollar cost, but the real cost for for executing on it is so high for the team. You know, that's a tough conversation. Yeah, especially when I felt, hey, the outcome is going to be mediocre anyway. We're going to kill the team, and I don't think this will actually make the product (laughs) better. (laughs) Right. You got to tell that producer who's writing the checks, yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, and I sure did. Let's not do that. I sure did. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) After Robomoto, is that when you joined Iron Galaxy? Yeah, after Robomoto, I joined Iron Galaxy, and I'd never heard of Iron Galaxy. At that point, uh, we were about a year and a half old, and just, I think, about eight months out of Dave's basement. Um, And Dave basically (laughs) found me. Luckily, our dev community is small enough in general, but especially in Chicago, that I know when there were layoffs at Robo, Josh put the feelers out to the the Chicago industry. And so that's how Dave Lang found out about me. And I couldn't even find the place, (laughs) the original Iron Galaxy, well, the original Iron Galaxy location being Dave's basement. I guess the second location (laughs) was in kind of like still very um, transitional Cabrini Green at that time. I couldn't even find it on Google Maps. Oh, yeah. So I was a little late, but I I made it to the interview. David invited a few of us who had been at Robomoto to come over for a full day of interviews. They got us Subway sandwiches. And I know um, basically at the end of that day, Dave offered me a job. At that time, after getting laid off twice and about five years, I just wasn't even sure it made practical sense to stay in the industry. So I think he was shocked when I told him I'm going to think about it. And I was doing like volunteer environmentally friendly demolition. (laughs) And he was he was flabbergasted that I would go do volunteer demolition. And not just agree that to take the like job on the spot. Wait, wait, hold on a sec. Does that mean you're swinging a sledgehammer? What does that mean? I have like a. Yeah, what does that mean? A, a pneumatic kind of jackhammer, and um, I was trying to preserve bricks, basically, but still get the grout uh, out. Okay. To- so was this just like a hobby you had on the side? You just you go around Chicago with your jackhammer, or were you part of an organization? I, I went to an organization. I didn't just <laughs> okay. vigilante. All right. This looks like a building I should take down. I had a costume. I'm just imagining <laughs> you like driving around with your jackhammer. They provided the tools. You know, that, that season that she's talking about was, there were layoffs globally. Like it was just yeah. like very, it was, uh, it's, what was that? The end of the first console generation? 
like Xbox One, PS2? Yes. Around that time? Yes. Mm. Or it was the yeah. 360 to the it, Xbox One, yeah. Oh, it was, okay, yeah. We were definitely heavily affected. And the first time I got laid off, right, I was still uh, optimistic. The second time, I really could see it coming. And so <laughs> that didn't feel so great. But honestly, it was a blessing in retrospect. And coming to Iron Galaxy has really been a fantastic opportunity and nothing that I imagined walking into that office for that interview. There were 12 guys, right? Most of them, like 10 of the 12 guys had known each other forever. It was all programmers except for one offsite person who was in California, who was an artist. So I had not worked just with programmers in the past. I found that honestly a little intimidating, but I kind of feel that they're weird. <laughs> if you, you know, if you can organize things, you can organize whatever. If you listen and pay attention yeah. to what people are saying, you don't have to have deep knowledge of what they're doing. You have to understand what's going on, understand the craft. But you don't have to be able to do it yourself to be able to organize it. That's right. So okay, so you go up to Cabrini Green. Yes. Spent the day with Dave Lang. Yeah. Twelve guys. And it was just a dirt lot behind us. And it was still off-track betting over there. They just had put in the Whole Foods. And then there's there's That's still right. the gentlemen's clubs over there as well. Sketchy neighborhood. So it was a sketchy area. But the housing isn't there anymore, right? The housing was, was... No, they've gotten rid of all the housing at this point. So people know that's the beginning of Good Times, right? Was it Good Times that it's, they would do the It's pan? where Candyman was filmed. That too, right. It was not um it was not a great project in Chicago. It was it was definitely the projects it was definitely a dangerous area for people uh, and it was going through a big transition. They decided that they were going to move people out of the, that housing and break it up into smaller housing. It was still not a not a destination. Well, that, and that real estate is probably super expensive today. I'm guessing. Last time we looked, uh, square footage was more expensive than downtown. I'm not surprised. Plus, there's a Whole Foods. But anyways, <laughs> so you show up, 12 guys, Dave Lang, and D Dave Lang's a big personality. Yes. And you're like, let me think about it. But ultimately, obviously, you decided to join the team. And you've been there for 12 years? Is that right? I've been here 13 years this wow. year. 13 Good for years. you. That's awesome. Feels like I've been here since 1942, but yeah. <laughs> That's an achievement. And That's you're really the CEO. Good. You're you're the yes, co-CEO. Co and I, I think you know. It's, yeah. It, so let's let's unpack that a little bit. We had like our last episode. We had Peter Tampty on, and Peter was my business partner at uh, Bungie. We shared an office. So does co-CEO mean that you and Adam? It's like one room, and you two have two desks in there. Is that what that means, or does it mean something else? <laughs> No, uh, we do have our own separate offices. Are they at least next to each other? Fight each other to answer the phone? With like Wonder Twins Unite. Yes, we are. We are very close to one another in proximity in the offices. But we also have this magical thing called IM and Teams and <laughs> video calls and all of this that we can communicate Essentially, we kind of like I was saying with that first producer back at EA, Adam and I were able to really look at our individual skills and see how they complement each other and kind of do a Wonder Twins Unite to be co-CEO. 
he's definitely like he's the negotiator guy. Luckily, he's the partner outreach person. And then I focus a lot more internally. I would say I'm more the facilitator when he's the negotiator in some ways. And uh, yeah, I'm focused more internally on the people. And it's not that we don't overlap in some capacities for sure, but we do have different areas of focus. So we're not just stepping on each other's toes, but we're able to balance out work. But you know that you also have someone you can bounce ideas off of. You can be supported if you need to have a day off. It's not like, oh my God, where it had been for years. It felt like, oh, how can I take a day off? Yeah. But having that other person there really helps. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I could totally re- relate to that. It's so lonely. Like when all decisions sort of end and in on your desk, it can, it can be very lonely and challenging. A lot of folks assume that the person who's running the company loves being in control of everything, but sometimes it can be not that. And having somebody to share that burden with uh, is, uh, is, I think it's very smart and sometimes super necessary. <laughs> That's yeah. my opinion. I don't I mean, know if you feel the same. It's it a big like it. responsibility. You know, as an independent company, I think I've said this before, but all of our employees are our shareholders. So constantly thinking about them and how to give them a good work experience and how do we take care of people and retain people. I feel a big responsibility that I have almost 300 people who you know, are relying on us for their livelihood. Yeah. Our main goal has always been stability, which I've said a million times doesn't sound super sexy. But being an independent developer, we're coming up on our 15-year anniversary in August. I feel really damn good about that. You know, having been at EA and it, EA Chicago experiment yep. shut down in two years, and then hey, we can we can we can relate yeah. to that whole EA. <laughs> we just yeah. got yeah. it off from EA too. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so I have a question. Hey, we should people. start a club. We'd all be yeah, in like club. EA yeah. XEA people. So I the, think there yeah. is an EA. There, um, <laughs> I think there is actually. Yeah. A little too soon for us. Too soon. too soon. <laughs> so wait, so 300 people, how many of that is in Chicago and how many is like, are y'all like, how remote are y'all? Though? Yeah. So we've always been distributed since we opened Orlando. Um, and I think that was 2012. We've got Chicago, Orlando and Nashville. We've got about, you know, 120 in Chicago about 120, or I'm, I'm off by a few here, in Orlando, and then the rest in Nashville. Because Nashville's our newest studio, opened, well, just over a year ago. So May of 2022, we opened the doors there. Um, but we've always been distributed. We don't have just one project in one location. People work on a project, and they can be across any of the studios. And after the pandemic, we've decided to be hybrid. So we do have people coming in person to the offices two days a week or more if they want to. Some people want to be there all the time. Um, But we try to offer that flexibility while still getting people, you know, to meet each other in person, to have some fun experiences, hopefully together to build some relationships. Because it's not just the work at work, you need to also oh, yeah. get to know who you're working with and, and 
care about them, honestly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you got to trust each other. Did the two days? Is that like a hey, everybody, we're gonna like, come in Tuesday and Wednesday. Just everybody come in, or is it no. sort of like pick two days and you can pick like two how, days? Like, I'm just curious, it, how structured is it? It is mostly up to the project that you are on. So if the project okay. has a day that they're hoping everyone comes in, because we're always doing more than one project at once, generally seven or so projects. So it's really up to the project to kind of set the standard. And then we try to offer as much flexibility as we can for any individual, given their whatever kind of personal situation that they have. I do think, you know, being in hybrid, there there are pluses and minuses to everything. But one of the things you have to be much more careful about is your boundaries, because your flexible time that works for you is not necessarily the flexible time that works for someone else exactly on your team. Yeah. So if your flexible yeah. time's not 9 p.m., don't answer the 9 p.m. email. That might be someone else's. Yeah. They put their kid to sleep. They come back for a couple hours. So I do think, you know, the, the flexibility is we're still waiting our way through how to really make that a great experience for everybody. We, we, I think we all are. That That is so challenging to teach and coach a team to be able to turn it like your work at, at home is like, where's the difference between work and my house? Like, how, how do I turn this off? It's I, very hard. Alex did a speech on that once to the entire studio, and he had like little cutouts and stuff of like a dog. And, <laughs> you remember that? And I hadn't thought about it till you did that. It's so true. I, I'm glad you remember that, Aaron. I will never forget the cutout it. of the dog. Um, yeah. I used to think like commuting is a pain in the butt, but at least it gave that little mental yeah. break. Between, it's important, hey, yeah, right? I'm, it's a tr- it's a transition. Yes, yeah. I I miss I was That's right, it's a transition. I, actually as you're saying this, your website has like pictures of the office and stuff and I started feeling like, man, I want to go there. I want to <laughs> go into a meeting room again. I miss the meeting room and like hey, what's up? And someone has a coffee and someone's like, dude, last night was crazy. And like, you know, that little like two minutes before a meeting that everyone's kind of just like settling in. Yeah. I miss those moments so much. Those are the glue moments. Those are super important. I think we have to make space for those kind of moments. And that's often when a lot of creativity happens too. Sometimes meetings, you can just get checklist focused or, you know, you're not, you have to leave the space for the creativity to happen. Um, At 5 p.m. in the Chicago office, we have people just hanging out. With each office, we've now moved a few times over the lifespan of Iron Galaxy. We've tried to learn things. I think that's one of the things I can say at Iron Galaxy I'm proud of, and I think we overall do, is try to learn from the crummy things that happened to us in the past, or the mistakes (laughs) we made, or saw someone else make, or whatever. Each space now we have just more open area for people to get together and hang out. And it's been great. You do see people. We've got a D&D thing going today. We were teaching people how to play. And <laughs> uh, super it's cool. really great, especially in a creative industry. You have to bring people together to have fun. I mean, you said something in there that I think is really interesting, like thinking about the, the journey, Iron Galaxy journey. 12 people, now about 300, three locations. I'm sure I, 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 I couldn't even count like how many projects you guys have released. It's over 70. Yeah, my gosh. <laughs> and all independently, right? So like that journey has got to have a lot of ups and downs, learning from mistakes and fantastic victories as well. What are some of the like 
Can you give us a story of like how you guys almost bit the dust and how you like snatched victory from the fire of defeat? Oh my gosh. Something like that. You got any of those? You got like 10 of those? One of those? Well, 2015 was just a hard financial year, I think, for a lot of places. And so we were definitely feeling that. And, you know, this is already, what, eight years ago? So that was, our reputation has now grown for eight more years since then. So we didn't have people just calling us up, offering us work back then. We were really pounding the pavement. Sometimes you have to definitely make compromises on some of the decisions or some of the products that you work on uh, at that point we did to just keep the studio afloat. Because one of the other things we've really, and and luckily we've done this, I want to knock on wood near me, here I go, but we haven't laid people off, you know, due to financial reasons. We've always made a commitment that when we hire someone, we're going to keep them on. And luckily we've been able to do that. But it doesn't mean it hasn't been really hard or that we know we were signing up for a couple products that we knew were going to be harder than we <laughs> harder than we'd hoped. You know, not not exactly the terms that we knew would make for a smooth project. Oh, this, is a, but, this sounds like a, a very polite way of saying in 2015, like you guys were 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 hustling to take a project and you took on a project that maybe was. That maybe in high, like if you had the choice, you wouldn't you wouldn't have. Yeah, we took on a couple that were definitely really challenging, and one of which I'm actually super proud of. But getting uh, Borderlands on the Vita was a very challenging project. Actually, <laughs> um, we were able to do it, and people have been happy with it. Obviously, technically challenging, or because there were many many voices in the mix, or, or both. Technically challenging. Working with Sony was actually really great. Understanding what kind of compromises we needed to make, maybe to enemy count or that type of thing where we had to change the gameplay a bit because Vita does not have the same power (laughs) that (laughs) it, it originally was afforded. So having to make those kinds of compromises, I feel like we actually had good back and forth, but it was definitely technically challenging and the time frame was pretty, pretty short. We were working on a couple other projects that we also knew the budget was not necessarily commensurate with the level of quality we were hoping to achieve, but we just plowed ahead. And so I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us there. I think another just kind of risk we took was when we were working on Killer Instinct, we always try to not have more than like 33% of the studio working with any one partner or on any one project. Because we know if it goes away, which it could, we want to be able to place people. And placing, you know, 80% is is pretty darn Mm -hmm. hard. With Killer Instinct, we were having to put a lot more resources on that project. And I was walking down the street, I think, going to lunch. And Dave was like, you know, I think we we should just, we should hire more. We should just, you know, we should go for it. And growing the studio, even though it seemed a little counterintuitive or risky actually made a lot of sense because then we are able to rebalance and have people on a variety of other projects and not just all of our eggs in one basket with Killer Instinct and and Microsoft we'd had a relationship with for a long time but again we want to 
We want to definitely diversify our portfolio all the time. Is Killer Instinct free to play? Killer Instinct is free to play, yeah. And that other one too, the Rumble... Rumbleverse is Rumbleverse. free to play. That got really yeah. good reviews too. Nine to ten, Thank and you. yeah, that, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm still, you know, still a little sad that it's gone now, but still really proud of all of the work that we did. And I think I, I've definitely talked to a lot of people who had a good time with it. So I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy for what it was. Free to play is is such a challenging part of yes. the, the business. That's what I wanted to bring up when you mentioned 2015. That was like your first layoffs were like, you know how like in between consoles, there was always the like layoff and, you know, 2015 was the same thing, but with like the industry was trying to figure out free to play around that time. And the app store was becoming a big thing. So like money was moving and, and it sounds like I remember Sony was trying to get in on that too with the Vita. Was that like your, and y'all made it through that? Like, did y'all do any? In that era, did y'all do any like app stuff, or was it all still console? Like was it was all still console. We've done mobile, so but no, we haven't done any apps. Always PC console. Well, that's what I mean mobile. by by mobile. Mobile, yeah. Mobile, yeah. We've done some mobile work. Um, and VR, area. we're pretty much open to whatever. VR, I think too. at that time we were working wow. on still our longest project. We worked on. I think. I think it ran for eight years was scribble knots scribble knots oh, on scribble. iphone oh, nice. yeah scribble yeah. knots so cool that's amazing yes. they just kept coming back asking us for more <laughs> and uh that was kind of was a scribble fun knots, project was that, that was 20 was that warner it was fifth cell wasn't it yeah, i think it was. Fifth cell with the developer it was warner, right it? yeah was yeah the yeah publisher? Yes, Warner, yeah. Because yeah. you could draw Batman. Scribble Knots was so cool. You could make <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. And all that content was yeah. like real content. There was no AI. It exactly. was just like, <laughs> it was so great. That's what I was just going to say. Now that game could be sort of a chat GBT mid-journey mashup or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's horrible to think, I guess. But okay, so at some point in that journey, you guys must have transitioned from like scaling from like one project to multiple like, did, were you saying you always have like three? We projects always going had more now, than one project. Always, always. Time, even one. with always. twelve okay. people, we were working on like three okay. projects. Okay, so that was part of the DNA from the beginning. That was part of the DNA from the beginning. Yeah, because Dave, kind of quote Dave Lang, when he left Midway, he was like, "Okay, at this point, Unreal is broken for the, the PlayStation. I can either go to Epic and fix it once." Or I can have multiple developers pay me to fix it an infinite amount of times. And so it was always just kind of <laughs> looking at things smart. a little bit like that. That's <laughs> smart. Awesome. Smart. Smart. So have you yeah. have you always been like you like you are so articulate, really good with people, very high EQ. Were you like that growing up? I was so shy. Really? I could imagine I was, you was like, in, I, I don't know what your childhood was like, but I just imagine you being the one on the playground, like solving all the fights, you know, like, no, or yes, negotiating I, was, like a truce between siblings or anything, you know, that was, that, was definitely that? some of that. I, I definitely have been this like peacekeeper, de-escalator, um, voice of calm in the chaos and the midst of the trauma most of my life, diplomat. Yeah, it's, (laughs) 
there is that to like that. I was I was much more cynical as a teenager too. And there is that. What is it? Nietzsche, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But to me, after a while, what doesn't kill you wears your ass down <laughs> when it just keeps coming. Like there's a there's a point. Yeah. yeah, I've always I've always kind of been that. Even with Dave and Adam and I today, it's kind of funny. Dave, well, Adam, Adam said, you know, he's the optimist. Dave is the pessimist. I'm the realist. So I can see mm-hmm. kind of Adam's pie in the sky ideas. I see Dave's your response. And then, you know, what's what's actually the common ground that they can't see? And I think it's a superpower, if I do say so, to being a producer. Because I've said it a million is. times, I'm not always making decisions. It looks like I am. But what I'm doing is I'm listening to all the smartest people and all the disciplines. And I'm coalescing the information they're giving me and spitting it back out because they're having a hard time seeing the forest through the trees. So I'm just basically reinterpreting the things they already know because they can't see it when they're so deep in the middle of it. Yep. And I think that's been really what I offer and what I really think of when I'm looking for game directors. Um, I was game director on Killer Instinct, and I, I feel like, you know, that was a lot of my role. And just helping people have compassion for one another as well. Because sometimes it's easy to think this, somebody did this on purpose to ruin what I was doing. But that's uh, almost never the case. It's just things happen. How do we solve it? That right there, yeah, that that little segment right there is is an excellent summary of leadership. You know, like... Being a, like a good listener, taking information, synthesizing and distilling it into a clear message and purpose, and just shining the light on where you know the team you know needs to go. That's uh, that's fantastic. It is a superpower. It's it's a rare yeah. skill. Yeah. Um, well, I I remember when I started at Iron Galaxy. So Dave had really been, you know, he was he was the Iron Galaxy, right? And everyone had left Midway predominantly and come over because they believed in Dave. So when I started, our personalities definitely very different. He was the outward face of the company. He was out doing biz dev. He was the escalation point, kind of bad cop, all of that. And I was the internal face. And one time he was traveling and we needed to make a decision around a milestone. I don't even remember what product, but no one wanted to move forward. And basically I said, we have to make a decision. I, this is what we're going to do. If Dave doesn't like it, you can all tell him it was mine. He can fire me when he gets back. And here I am still 13 (laughs) years later. So sometimes you just have to, you know, be decisive and and move forward and, and be able to get people to believe in you, whether it's because it's, you're removing the risk from them. Okay. Dave's not going to fire me. She's going to take it on. Or how can you kind of help people feel more comfortable moving forward and doing what they know they need to do anyway? I know you're active in the the women in games. I know you do give back, you know, by sharing your experience. Right. How do you how do you think about that? Like, is there? Oh my gosh! Is I there mean, a message that you hope to share about your? Experience? Yeah, for me. I didn't have much growing up. I didn't really have any idea what kind of opportunities were even out there. 
Um, I didn't always get a ton of encouragement. I've really had to figure out a lot of things all by myself, which, you know, overall helped me be able to figure out even more things, but doesn't mean it's always been easy. It's just really important to give back to the next generation or to people who were like me and give them an easier experience than I had in whatever way that can be. If it's a welcoming environment at Iron Galaxy where people can be themselves and not feel like they have to hide parts of themselves or feel ashamed or feel weird, you know, we're all weird. All of us, every Mm -hmm. single one of us is weird. Or if it's doing mentorship through the AIAS or doing mentorship with Wiggy or um, uh, whatever other opportunities, or I was just at DevGam and there are a lot of kind of fledgling developers in Eastern Europe, hopefully giving them some lessons from Iron Galaxy history. If they're hoping to do something similar, they don't have to make the same mistakes. So it really... It gives me joy to hopefully think that something I say sparks for someone and helps them to just uh, see that they can do it too and to not be afraid or not think they can't because someone said they can't or they see something in the news that leads them to believe they can't. Um, You just just have to try. Trying is, is again, kind of hard. Hopefully, you know, I, I get a, someone to try who just wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I think you probably have a decent idea of how impactful all of that is. Aaron and I talk about this all the time because we're super fortunate to have very accomplished folks come and join us for conversations. And just sharing the story, my, like, and like, hey, this is possible. Yeah, Here's my try. story. Yeah. Uh, try is like yeah, the biggest. I think your, your story, H&M to EA producer. There's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a big jump. But all of these things, right? I feel like all of the skills are useful in whatever you do. Because yeah. being in the service industry, I had to get along with people who were telling me basically it's my fault their ice cream's melting in their car because they want a price adjustment for pants <laughs> that, you know, they don't even have with them. And having to handle that in some kind of graceful way. Yeah. Right. Um, or teaching. I had I was so shy, but I felt like I was in some ways playing this teacher character and trying to give back to the kids and be a bit inspirational. So I think all of those things are helpful. I think nowadays, sometimes we think that and there are opportunities for this nowadays. I have to be in like be dedicated to it from the time I'm a kid and I need to be in a a games program, game design or do CS or something. There are other ways. I I always say don't discredit your other experiences. I would volunteer sometimes at a high school taking a look at their resumes and kids wouldn't want to put down McDonald's. Say, well, why not? You showed up on time. Did they let you handle money? You learned how to make fries. You had to talk to people. You know, this is also, you should be proud of whatever you did. These are skills. Yeah. These are skills you That's right. You earned. Alex, say it. Yeah, my son's working at McDonald's right now. <laughs> yeah, when um, he told me, I was like, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's I, important. Yeah. Those are, uh, yeah, especially, yeah. You're those right. Are great, like that perspective. Great foundational skills. Yeah, yeah, the perspective of like, did they trust you with food? Did they trust you with money? 
you know, like, did you show yeah. up on time? Those are really important things that you need to have, like, all the way through your career. You need to show up on time, you know. You yeah. To, can you handle money? Like, yeah, it's true. So what's your outlook, Chelsea? What do you, how do you feel like the industry, like, where are we headed as an industry? Where's Iron Galaxy headed? Oh, my gosh. You know, it changes so much where we headed as an industry. Every time someone says, oh, yeah, this is going to be the next thing, whether it's VR or it's single-player games are dead or it's whatever. <laughs> you know, the very next year, that kind of all changes. Uh, no, um, right? What I hope, I hope, yeah. Games as a platform is the next Games thing. as a platform, exactly. But I do hope we can get to a place where we do embrace a wider audience. I think there have been some good steps in that direction to really embrace people who may not consider themselves gamers and give people rich experiences. I mean, I can't move my hands like a StarCraft pro. There's just no way I can even do that, right? So to give people experiences who maybe wouldn't have had access to these rich stories. I love just thinking outside the box and thinking how we can do that. And as far as Iron Galaxy, you know, I hope we're around 30 more years, 50 more years. I don't know. And I hope that I can continue to make a positive impact if I can say that. I hope I am now and I hope I can continue to and keep our promise to our people that we will be a stable place to work and that we're always doing our best at offering a good work environment. We don't always get it right. We're doing our best. It is so impressive. 15 years, that kind of growth, like no major layoffs. What you're doing there, what what Max is doing at Certain Affinity has some similarities. And I think like listening to both of you, um, how much effort and care goes into like the team, like the team really is the project. Uh, And that's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very impressive for you, for, for Adam and for, and for Dave, I, I, I need to get, throw a compliment for Dave in here because the, the last, I don't know if it was the last time I saw him. It was probably the first time I saw him. He, he cornered me, uh, to, to make sure I knew who he was. And Uh-oh. Dave, I know who you are, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and if people don't know, Dave is a six foot seven, huge man. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. I'm a, I'm a small guy. I was I was a little terrified, but, uh, yeah, like just four, but four, so four, four. so super super impressive. I know I four, look four, like yeah. uh, very tiny compared to both Dave and Adam. In any photos we have together, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, you know at least a foot shorter than either of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- thank you for what you're doing for for games. Thank you for what you're doing for for Chicago. It's so great to get a chance to chat with you today, Chelsea. Thank you for sharing your story. Nice meeting you, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We got to keep this Chicago scene alive, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you been down to visit uh, Josh at DePaul and what he's doing over there in the Innovation Center? I've talked to him a bit. Yeah, we sent uh, one of our folks, Shaker, went over to speak at the, I think it's the Jarvis Center over there now. It is the Jarvis Um, Center, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I might be doing that here in the future as well. Is the Jarvis awesome. Center awesome. named after the Iron Man thing? Or no. is it just a no, coincidence? Eugene, Eugene Jarvis. It's Eugene Jarvis. Eugene, Eugene Jarvis. Jarvis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Industry legend. And hopefully future guests on our show. Maybe. We'll see. Chelsea, it's so great to chat with you. Have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. And I'm sure Thanks. we'll talk to you soon. You see too. You, Chelsea. Bye. Bye. 
Well, that was great to spend some time with Chelsea. Yeah, she's really cool. I really, I'm really glad I got to meet her. There's a handful of studios that have figured out how to survive and thrive in this industry, which is really challenging. One of them is a Certain Affinity, which you know we talked to Max about. It's been in business for I think 16 never years. Never laid anybody never off. Never done a once. layoff. Yeah, yeah, that's and amazing. it's continued to organically grow over time. Worked on some of the biggest titles in the industry. High Voltage was sort of similar. You worked there for a little while. That studio had been in Chicago, has been, still is, Chicago area for, I think, probably almost two decades now. I worked at Inland as well. I don't know if you remember Inland. I remember Inland, but I believe they are no longer. They're no longer, yeah. Well, Iron Galaxy is is another. I thought it was, I thought it was super interesting how she described the triumvirate of her, Dave, and Adam as the optimist, the pessimist, and the realist. Because I, I remember I remember doing a, like a deconstruction of our uh, soft launch from the optimist, the pessimist, and the realist perspective and how useful it is to, to, to be able to bring three different kinds of opinions about a strategy together. I think it's really cool hey, that they've organized the leadership of that studio that way. Yeah, yeah? I what? see it now. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but it's like... There's like there's like CEO things, you know, that CEOs do. And she talks about like what she does. And what you just said made me think that that's one of those things that you do. There is this uh, like when you're team building and you're like putting people in in positions or in all that stuff. There's things going on under the hood and that, I mean like in your brain that you're not telling people, right? <laughs> oh, that sounds subversive. What do you mean? No, 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 no. It's, I don't think it is. That sounds schemy. Not schemy. I mean it more like... I'll give you an example. Well, finish your thought before I totally interrupt your your what you were going to say. I kind of liked where you were going. But that okay. I had two thoughts. That was one of them. So there's okay. a bookend there. And I, I can start another thought if you want me to go. Well, I was going to say it's like... So there's this... You know, I, I do the, the... I don't do TikTok, but the Instagram or whatever. And when you're doing those videos, there's a lot of those gurus that come up. And even on LinkedIn. <laughs> when you're just, you know, you're just scrolling. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You're just like scrolling into the depths. And every once in a while you'll get ones like, hey, you know, if you want to be a great CEO, this is what you do. And Those people are so full of shit. Well, okay. Well, there's <laughs> probably, but there's one guy I heard was doing a talk on how he team builds because he was talking to the Navy SEALs and the Navy SEALs have this thing where they have a graph. Have you seen this graph? Hmm. It's like high trust high output or high aptitude uh-huh. and they actually pick people that are high on the trust and mid on the aptitude for their team building so you could have the mm-hmm. most amazing like person to like they can do the job but they're yeah. unbelievably untrustworthy yes then they're like, yes <laughs> you know what i'm saying you don't want so it's like yeah there's a there's a phrase there's a pithy phrase that describes that which is um no brilliant assholes. <laughs> that's, yeah, but it's like with that that <laughs> that's kind of been, you know, right. like a super high performer who's like doesn't collaborate is 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 less useful than a team of of highly a team of effective people that can collaborate very well. You know, the whole great of some of his yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so, totally believe that. But that's something you don't talk about, right? That guy's not an idiot. Okay, right. But you don't I say guess. it. You don't say that. Like you just kind of. Well, like, I th- I think that's what's meant by when when you talk about building a good team culture, you know, or when you say, "Hey, when we're hiring, we want to make sure we hire people that have good, you know, fit." You know, I think sure, that's, but but that's what she does. Like so, something she yes. was saying 
she, she's talking to people. She's like she she referred to herself as the mom at one point of the studio, and like how she goes and listens to everybody and sees what they're saying. And then she goes back, and then she figures out how to organize the situation, you know, and then come back and then direct with the information and, like, let smart people do what they have to do. And that's something you yeah. wanted to talk about. But that's that's all I wanted to say. That's oh, No, no, no. I mean, that was the, the opening quote I thought was along those lines. I totally agree with that. I love that style. Often a, a leader's job is to listen and synthesize and to point everybody in the right direction. You know, it's not it's not – to be the person who can figure out the answer to every question. Some some people have a different style, but that's but that's her style, and I, I can relate to that because I, I never know anything. <laughs> the Steve Jobs thing, right? Like I remember there was this these videos that started coming out from other CEOs who were saying, or not maybe they weren't CEOs, but there were people that were saying they were getting mad at other people trying to be like Steve Jobs. Like do it his way, like the way he does stuff. Because they weren't Steve Jobs, yeah. And they were being so. Yeah. They were just like, "Would you just got to be mean to everybody?" <laughs> it's like no. no. Work the other way. thing that I thought was really uh. interesting is that when she was talking about how she thought it was a big part of her job and responsibility, and especially for a company like uh, Iron Galaxy, which is independent, even though they have scale, they're, they're almost three hundred people. One of the most important things for her to ensure is that there's stability for the people that work there. And she described really it as good. not really, yeah, it's not really this most sexy thing, but like super important for us to provide a stable environment for people so we can attract talent and keep that talent and continue to operate and grow. And Max said something very similar. Um, and it struck me as A, super smart, you know, in order to navigate, thrive and survive in this you know, in, in our industry, which is very cyclical, like you're always pointing out. And B, it occurred to me that that's a little bit in contrast to like how the really large, successful public companies operate. And we, we just experienced this at, at EA. Coming into the end of a fiscal year where the fi- financials didn't add up the way they wanted it to, and they made very, you know, very hard decisions that resulted in, uh, you know, a, a labor contraction, you know, a reduction in force. And that was uh, that was how they navigated their their challenges and and how those approaches small company big company very different it might not be what people would expect that perhaps a small company which is all about building trust and team and stability is where you should be looking for a for a long term career. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that conversation made me think about that. It's interesting, right? It's like it's almost like a home cooked meal versus like an ex- super expensive restaurant meal, you know? Oh, I thought you were going to say McDonald's. No, who's the expensive meal in your this analogy? Whenever you go to those one of those really like one of your what's the name of the the, the one in uh, Chicago where they give you like like thirty seven um, courses? <laughs> oh, uh, Alinea. Yeah, but yeah, they're all like the size of a peanut. It's uh-huh. like this is yeah, the yeah, taste yeah. of a, a cloud from Spain in May, and you like put the peanut in your. Oh, that tastes like a cloud from Spain in May. That's crazy. <laughs> How they do that, right? So like, oh, I, I didn't know you'd <laughs> been. I didn't know you'd been there. Yeah, clearly, you've been. No, but you walk out. You're like, I'm gonna go and get a burger now because I'm not full. But but uh, so you, but you, you know what I, mean? I love the analogy, but I don't understand it. Who's it who? Actually, you know what? It's a terrible analogy. It was just a, a moment I could have been. Could be funny, but no. Seriously, I when you said that, I was thinking like both sound appealing to me. Work for a big company, 
They have a chef. You know, you get like 20 free games a year. You get like really good vacation. If they do lay you off, they give you a severance. There's bonuses, right? That do, that actually is not, there's none of that is bad, but it's incredibly high risk. It's like, but we'll lay you off any day for no reason, right? Like, well, well there's a reason, right? They have to meet the numbers, like you said. And that's a negative, right? But then the other one is, sure, they don't have a chef. You don't get 20 free games a year. You don't get bonuses. But we're not going to lay you off. Like, and you could you could trust that we could, you know what I mean? Like, if you have it, you know? So there's like, yeah, both are appealing in a sense, in as, a way. As, we're ta- as, as you're saying it out loud, I, I, I'm not sure it really always plays out that way. But I, I can tell you what is true is that in a small company where everybody knows each other and, and they build this atmosphere that is very personal it is very personal so everybody knows each other you know Mm -hmm. so there's there is an a level of trust it's that's just different you know that at a large corporation where you know you you could be four steps away from the person who's making a decision about the fate of the division or whatever there's no personal relationship there you're just on the receiving end of a decision if there's a decision like that yeah that's like the empire Darth Vader style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, you're right. All right, so are you saying it's... What are you saying? You're saying you don't like that. I, I'm not passing judgment. I'm kind of okay. recognizing that there's a difference there. I'm recognizing, a like as we talk about it out loud, when people come and ask me where they should apply for work or where should I be looking or you know what should I do when I graduate or what are opportunities like in this industry, that is one way to look at it. You know, there's... A couple of different kinds of work environments. There's these small, like a startup, where it's a it's, Which very, I it's love, a lot of personal. Yes. I love obviously that's what that's where that's yeah. where we thrive. Is, is there's no small groups that. that have that have people that you can you can sort of problem solve together. You rely on each other, and it, it just feels really energetic. And there's you know it feels you know, human. There's it's yeah, very human. Yeah, it feels you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or there's the big company where there's, there's, you know, you can have a whole entire career there from all the way from tester to CEO. You know, it's all there. And maybe that all works out, you know, but it's less personal. The algorithm has chosen your demise. So in one way, you know, I, you know, one way maybe you can, you can think about if you're getting in the industry, you can think about what, which of those experiences you, you like, you know, at the big companies, there's a lot, like you're saying, there's lots of different advantages. You're going to meet a lot of different people that have a lot of different skills and be oh, opportunities yeah. for training. You get to work good. in a lot of different kind of projects. Yeah. All that kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to suggest that it was bad. It's just different. Yeah, it's different. I didn't think you suggested it was bad. Except the part where the algorithm chooses your demise. But beyond that, like if I, <laughs> if, I like, if I ever meet like a noob <laughs> and they're like, I want to get into games, what do I do? Like, you know, they're going to college and they have a good, you know, whatever to get in. I'd say anywhere, startup, big company, whoever will take you right right out of college, take it. You know, what you know I mean? that's not bad advice, too, because when you get an experience, you have a work experience, you learn something, mm-hmm. you know. And you get a title. Like getting yeah. a title. And you get a credit. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you get put something on your portfolio, and it might be hard. It might not be like it's a toss up. Like you yeah. can get a job at a at a startup, and everyone's a jerk. Or you can get a job at a big company, and it's like a family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like either <laughs> like the opposite of what you said. Not trying to disagree with you, but you know what I mean, right? Like, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. All right, we got to get you out on your walk before it gets too late. The coyotes come out. There's no coyotes in Texas. The bears what? ate them all. You know there are coyotes in Chicago that ride the ride the L. I've in seen Chicago. That. Yeah, see, that's crazy. Yeah. 
That all is right, crazy. all right. We're just we're getting pretty far. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us once again. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you next time. See you later, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Curtain Podcast. To get a peek at upcoming episodes or to send in questions to the show, visit our site at thefourthcurtain.com. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. 